welcome everybody to the second episode of Reign of Thought. Uh, before we start, I just want to say thank you to everybody who listened to our first episode. Uh, I'm really glad you guys are all enjoying it, and we're thankful for all the feedback and advice. And we're excited to get started with our second episode. We had a lot of viewers for the first episode. I was honestly Listeners, very bro, it's surprised. <laughs> Listeners, it's podcast. Listeners, yeah, my bad. But I was very surprised, honestly. I was like, for three of us, yeah, I man. felt like, I honestly thought like 40 was all we were going to hit, but we had like a hundred more than 40. No, I'm pleasantly shocked. Um, I don't even know if I have 140 friends. I, I definitely don't. don't. No. But now I, I do. Either. Um, today we're going to get a little more in depth about what we want to do with our lives, where we're headed, um, what we're doing as of now and what brought us to this point. So Thomas, what, what is your, what is your biggest goal in life? My biggest goal. Do you mean like, like, like as a kid or as now? Because like right now I kind of just want to like live near a beach and work at like yeah. a Starbucks. No, you know, I just like want to Starbucks. Yeah, that's my <laughs> at a beach? A nice little if beach. I lived yeah. near a beach, I'd become uh, uh, one of those captains of a boat that take people out deep sea fishing. That's what I would like do. Like a guide? You have to know what you're doing though, bro. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I would definitely learn how to drive a boat and deep sea fish better, but like I still want to do <laughs> you, that. You do move pretty well in the water. I'm facts, not going to lie. Facts. I do. You're like you're a little agile like little submarine, honestly. He's more yeah. agile on water than he is on land. Facts. <laughs> but what I was getting at, Tom, is I, I just want you, I want you to describe, like set the scene of your, like when you reach all your goals, like when you are content with your life as an adult set the scene what what is it what's your life um okay so like you guys know i'm a history major with a secondary ed minor so like i went to the boarding school for a year you can roast me for that but it like changed my life because it like opened up the door to the like world of teaching and now how i saw how bad um teaching is and like the teaching culture so what I want to do as a teacher is kind of like change that because like I I put up on my story the other night it was something about like teachers get paid 33k a year which is the same as like Biden's 15 dollars an hour or whatever but teachers spend more time with um, other people's kids than their parents so to be a teacher, you have to be a good role model or else the kids just aren't going to get anything out of it. And you got to connect with the kids. Exactly. There's a lot more to teaching than just knowing the, the subject. Exactly. So, like, what I want to do is just like this podcast where I'm sharing my, like, what I did wrong or what I messed up in life, whatever. I'm not going to give them my, like, personal, like, step-by-step how I did it wrong, but I want to be sort of like a father figure type like especially when i get older so what i want to do is mainly what i want to do as a teacher is obviously teach history because i have a passion for it and i like it and i could sit here all night and talk about history but create an after school program because at at the boarding school we had a class called men in society and you can say whatever you want about the title but we were all boys so it didn't matter (laughs) but in that class they taught us how to shake a hand properly and they brought in local business owners and we did mock interviews 
and then they showed us that you sit up in an interview and you have to look lively and look like you're engaged in the interview. Now, how many other kids in the country can say that they've had that like experience? Not a lot, and especially not the kids in the inner city. Like they're already at a disadvantage. So what I want to do is help mainly help kids and like not produce kids, but like have a good track record of teaching respectable kids who are actually going to make it in the real world and have like, they can, they don't always have to have set goals, but they, I want them to be well-versed um, throughout anything. So like creating an after school program where I can show them how to tie a tie and I could show them how you shake a hand properly and give them that like first step out the door so that they already know, um, like they already know what's coming in life. And then the other part is I want to coach too, because I think with coaching comes a lot of uh, discipline um, with your players. Soccer or baseball? Soccer, 100%. Because with, with soccer, it's like, first, I like it a lot more. And soccer, you have to have more discipline because, like, soccer players run, like, five, I think it's, like, five miles a game or something. It's something crazy. So, like, you have to be in shape. But I was watching, like, a docu-series about Minnesota um, high school boys hockey. And there's a guy named Moose who coaches um, a high school team. And he has a house, and then he has, like, a side garage where it's just, like, it's a gym. It's like a homemade gym that he opens up for the boys in the summer. Um for like an escape, I guess. And it's also to work out. But I want to have something like that where these kids who are like, have nothing going on outside of school and might like fall in love with the streets, um, might like just end up doing like bad stuff. I want them to be able to go somewhere where they can be one productive and also learn how to be a respectable member of society. And then like when you said how do I, like, my goal in life, mm-hmm. like, I think my goal, like, my end goal is to have a kid come back to my classroom, not a kid, but, like, an adult, like, 20 years later and say, hey, you and your missus really treated me like a son, and, like, you guys helped me out. I could have went down this path, but you, like, set me straight onto a path where I could be successful, yeah. and if that happens, like, my life is that's, done. Like I'm, my my mission is complete, uh-huh. because I've messed. Like I haven't messed up a lot in life, but I've I've chosen the wrong paths like a lot, and I think a lot of us have. And with teachers, like the culture around teachers is more of like let's push all this academic stuff on them, stuff that they don't need. Yeah. Like and how much trigonometry do I need? Not a whole lot. It's it's not even just that. It's obviously. Uh, it's it's good to learn the core subjects like no one's taken away from that but i think it's it's really important like you said to show those those kids those underprivileged kids that there is more out there for them than what they might think if they're not good at trigonometry they're struggling in these classes they're thinking i can't do this this isn't for me but they're just not seeing not seeing what they're capable of because there's no there's no personal personal connection to these kids they're not teaching them what they really need to know to to take that first step towards realizing their own potential yeah and they're not dumb either like if if you if you come from a bad area you already have the street smarts like you're not dumb they just need a little nudge and and i feel like a lot of these kids are are under the impression that they can't go anywhere other than 
what they've been given. Like they, yeah. they, they have to play with the cards they've been handed. And, and I think I they think can do a lot more with those cards than they think. Yeah. And I think like teachers at those schools where those kids go see it more as, oh, let's try and survive this day. Like mm-hmm. let's not have an incident happen this day. And that doesn't let them like it lets them push whatever academic um, stuff they're trying to push on them, but it doesn't allow like the other stuff to come through. Like, oh, maybe like look at Mr. Smith. Look how he's dressed. Like he's dressed like his shirt's tucked in. He's wearing a tie. He looks presentable. Maybe I want to be like him. Like that just doesn't like it. Honestly, just doesn't happen anymore. Like most most teachers now that I see are like casually dressed. Like their hair's a mess. Whatever. But I think like my my end goal is just to help like you don't even have like they don't even have to be like from the inner city or whatever i just want to help they can have a bad home life yeah you know? and it's not it's for for everyone i think yeah. like like you said some of the some of those aspects apply mostly to to those underprivileged kids but but at the same time a lot of those things i feel like could be extremely helpful to kids everywhere any type of kid if if it was applied to the school system in general um, cuz it's just there's a lot of qualities that that teachers these days are lacking. It's it's like they're just looking for the bare minimum. They're looking for someone who knows the subject, and yeah. that's it. They're but, just looking for the next year. Yeah. Like, let's see if we can get through this year unscathed, and let's just push these kids out. Yeah, and especially see at go. the schools where like all the teachers are really old too. Like that doesn't help either. You know what I mean? You're like you kind of need. There's no energy. Like yeah, yeah. you need someone energetic to kind of like get the class yeah. like if into you, it. You know? If you go to like a big school where there's like more more money, more funds, like you get these new teachers who have this new energy and like this new like generated passion. That the passion like maybe it's just been generated in like the past two years. So they're really passionate. They really care. And like some of these old people, like I'll name drop, like Mr. Sullivan. Like, Mr. Sullivan probably has the same game plan every year, but he you can see that he actually cares. Yeah. And he's one of those guys who, like, cares. Like, he cares about what he says, like, what he um, teaches, but he also cares about how you're doing outside of school. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I, mo- if I, like, had to choose who I'd model my, like, future career, it'd probably be Mr. Sullivan, just, like, with a little more, like, energy. Yeah. Mr. Solomon is a goat, but I, I think it does. It all comes down to passion. Um, we need more passionate teachers. Those are the ones who who really get their subject across to their kids because they're teaching with passion, and they get those even more important aspects of uh, just just wisdom across to their students. Because if, if you're not passionate about teaching, may, maybe you can you can do that's, a decent job. That's but no, that's the problem. That's when you get those like teachers who just like they most people see teaching as like an easy job yeah like you you go to school at like six in the morning or whatever and then you like you're done at three like that's that's like easy for people but that's the problem like that's when you get teachers who just like don't care about how kids are actually doing they care about whatever whatever test grade that they put on top of the test and try and get out of trouble with their boss yeah so like if you have a passionate teacher who actually cares about the kids and how they're living their lives and if they're healthy and i think that's what teaching should be about yeah like definitely it should be about what the kids are learning but what the kids are learning 
doesn't always help them out in the real world. So if you give them that other aspect of, hey, when you go to shake somebody's hand, make sure you angle your hand a little bit to show confidence. When you go to an interview, make sure you sit up. Don't slouch back. Mm -hmm. Sit up. Act like you want to be there. And then you'll get the job, probably. You might not, but at least you know next time what you did wrong, what you did right. And, and learning how to present yourself with confidence, it, it helps you be more confident in general, not, not, just, not just a facade of confidence. Um, but I have a lot of respect for, for those passionate teachers. I, the ones that are good at the jobs, the ones that love their jobs, the ones that really connect with their kids, I have so much respect for them. And I feel really bad for them right now because those are the people that really want to make connections with their kids. And in a day and age where we are doing mostly online schooling, how can they get that? There's, there's kids, half these kids don't turn on their, they don't turn on their cameras in in like every single zoom class I've been in at school. Like 90% of the kids do not have their cameras on. They're all muted. The entire class. Unless they were told to college is like a tad bit different. It's it's different, but there's a lot of secondhand like embarrassment and like weird embarrassment that goes on in college. I've heard the same thing with a lot of high school classes is happening though. Um, like I was talking to Miss Kincaid a couple weeks back. Shout out to Miss Kincaid. She's the greatest. She's, the greatest. She is a perfect example of those passionate teachers we're talking about. She truly has such a deep care for all of her students. Um, she helped me out a lot. <laughs> she oh helped, my yeah, god. Same. I would not. I would not be where I am. I think without we would have failed algebra too. Oh, honestly. for sure. <laughs> like, Do you remember that, that one bad. time? Remember that one time you got like a ninety on the test and I got like a fifty-one and I was just like, oh. This sucks. Do you remember that? I feel like that happened a multitude of times. Yeah, I think that happened more <laughs> than once. That's why I probably can't remember it. All right. But anyways, <laughs> uh, I was talking to her, um, just seeing like how her classes are going, and she was saying like it, it really is a struggle to get kids to participate. Um, nobody's turning their cameras on. Nobody's turning their microphones on. And I'm not not to say that's a fault of the children. It's a fault of the situation we're in because. I obviously understand the students' end as well. It's really hard to stay motivated. There's also so many, like, embarrassing moments yeah. that, like, shouldn't <laughs> be embarrassing in college. But, like, everybody in college, I feel like you can relate to this. Like, showing up late to a, a class, like, nobody so cares awkward. that you showed up late. But, like, walking past everybody to get to your seat, like, most embarrassing thing ever. No, I can't say I've had that experience. Mm, I wouldn't say it's embarrassing. For me, it's embarrassing. I, I, I feel like for most, it it's be. embarrassing. I can imagine for you, it it's be. not no, embarrassing it's not. because you just don't care. Yeah. But, yeah. like, for, like, other people, it's probably embarrassing. No, I I, can't, I haven't had that experience yet. haven't had a single in-person well, you, class yeah, yet. Yeah, Shout out, Pitt. Um, but... But yeah, I, I understand both ends, but it's it's really it's it's a struggle of the situation we're in right now because we we already were lacking that that connection that bond between teacher and student, um, and now it's pretty much impossible to get that even from the teachers who are are very passionate about that. And I, I, although some teachers are, are have really been making it work, um, I've seen some creative stuff with with Zoom classes and keeping people engaged, but. It really is. It really is a tough environment for teachers right now. It's rough at college with the Zoom classes when you have like a nine thirty class and you know you really don't have to like get up or anything, so mm-hmm. you just kind of like lay in bed and it's hard to pay attention. Yeah, and it's like I understand that side of it, but in, at the same time, look at the teacher side of it. He's he's like they're trying actually his trying. Yeah. He's adapting his class to online. This is something they've never done before. Um, and they're really just trying to make it work, and it's hard to make it work without the cooperation of the students, too. 
Oh, uh, yeah, dude. So it, it goes both ways, and it's really just a mess right now. Yeah, it kind of sucks because, yeah. like, teachers are, at least from my point of view, teachers are very influential. Oh, 100%. Like, if you have a good teacher, that, that like, idea, or, or if you, like, remember them, will, like, stick with you for probably, like, the rest of your life. Yeah. There's like, just that idea of that person. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a few teachers that have really just influenced my life in ways that not a lot of people have. Um, and, and that's, that's a really important thing. I, I think we were blessed with some really good teachers at Central. Uh, shout out Burkhardt, too. Shout out Burkhardt. <laughs> there's too many people to shout out. We love all of you, um, if you're listening to this. I'll, I want to give one special shout out, by the way, to Mr. Barry. Uh, I, I heard that you were listening to our podcast the other day, and I just wanted to say thank you because you were one of the reasons that I wanted to start this podcast, too, because I remember a couple years back, you would always tell me I had a podcaster's voice, and you always wanted me to start a podcast. So uh, this is for you, Mr. Barry. What a guy. What a guy. Love you, Mr. Barry. <laughs> but, yeah, so, so Sergio, you... Yeah, I want to hear Serge's, the newly transferred in education major. What are, I don't even know what your major is. Following in Thomas's footsteps. So um, what's your major? Secondary education. That's your major? I, mean, I swear I th- you have I to think. be, I think you have to be, uh, whatever topic you're teaching. Well, history, I guess. Oh, so I don't know. I just, the same as me. I literally, when I transferred classes, I literally put education, history, and that was history. Oh, okay. see what I did so there? You, so you're a history major with a secondary ed minor. I think that's how I mean, PA so works. Isn't that what you, exactly what you are? Yeah. yeah. I think that's how PA works. I, I didn't know. It was my, I, I I guess, yeah, whatever whatever you say. I guess that's me. All right, so that's same how initial in-depth question. Sergio is into his whatever he's doing with his life. But same initial question to you, Sergio. Set me your perfect scene. Set me where you've accomplished everything you want to accomplish. Um, For me, like right now in life, I feel like I've done a lot of things I want to do, but there's more that I still want to do. Originally, I was a criminology major, so... Criminology, switching over to education, that's quite a difference. Mm-hmm. The reason why I got into criminology is because I wanted to do something where I could help people, you know? Um, and I thought with criminology, I could do that. Because, like, you always see stories about, like, a police officer helping out, like, a homeless person or just, like, that type of stuff. Like, you always see this cops like helping out a homeless man or like a little kid like just something small like that and i'm gonna get kind of deep here for a second like we're not gonna talk about it i'm just gonna touch on it real quick the moment i knew i wanted to help people was after everything that happened with brendan and mo like that stuck with me because like i wasn't able to help them right? in that situation it's like a moment there's like a moment that sparks it yes like, and mm-hmm. and that was my moment because i wasn't able to help them so that made me want to help people not in a way because i felt like i owed it to them but like that just made me know i wanted to help somebody in a certain way and i thought i could do that with criminology honestly i can't really see myself becoming a cop and i love football the jokes of you becoming a cop like somebody said that you couldn't pass the running test in the (laughs) academy (laughs) i mean hey they ain't wrong so anyways i was thinking of ways where i could help people and i thought okay I had teachers like Mr. Sullivan and Mr. Burkhart, who I honestly can say I looked up to a lot in high school because they would always pull me aside and just have a conversation with me. And, like, 
I'd tell them, like, what's going on and stuff, and they would give me good insight. So when I was thinking about what I w- wanted to do, I was like, if I can become someone like Mr. Sullivan or Mr. Burkhardt, I really think that could help me become a better person too. Mm-hmm. I also love football, and I want to coach football later on in life. So if I become a high school teacher, I can also coach football too, and that's perfect for me. So that's why I do want to become a teacher, and all throughout my years of school, I've never been a science person. I've never been a math person, but I've always managed to pass a history class, and I honestly, I really do, like, have an interest in history. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's cool learning about, like, what happened in the 1800s, 1900s, World War II type stuff. So for me, I think this is just a perfect path. And for me, if I can help somebody out through teaching or coaching one day, and I know that that impacted the way their life turns out, that's that's good for me. You know what I mean? And there is Sergio's content. Yeah, I think, like, me and Sergio, like, we're kind of on the same page i'm just like more farther into like the journey or whatever because you've had like about a year or so yeah but i know what you mean like they pull like mr sullivan or whatever pulled pulled you aside in like certain moments but it's because like they pulled you aside because especially talking to mr sullivan like they pulled you aside because they were you at one point yeah and that's that's what i think makes like not makes like a great teacher but makes like a good role model so, like, I was a chotch my <laughs> freshman and sophomore year. Like, the worst. Like, I thought I was going to be, like, big time in sports, whatever. Um, so, like, if I see that in a kid, like, I obviously won't shoot their dream down because anything can happen. But I can also tell them you might want to be humble because you never know. And, like, if I can, if I can get that message across – then I can help him try and figure out a way, like, hey, do you play with, like, so-and-so organization? Maybe try this camp out. Maybe, like, try and figure out a pathway for him to set up, like, however, like, whatever makes him, whatever has the best chance of making him successful. But you, he has to see the other side of it. Yeah. Arrogance to, does not breed success. No. Right. And, like, we see with, like, unless you're, like, 6'5 and a freak, (laughs) like, if you're, like, most of the time if you're arrogant, it's probably not going to work out for you. Mm -hmm. But the fact that, like, Mr. Sullivan pulled you aside, I think that's what makes a good teacher. And and that helped me out a lot because I'm going to be honest. Like, you guys know this firsthand. Like, I'm not honestly a school person, if if you know what I mean. Like, I goofed off so much in high school. Like, all the time and there were times when like Mr. Sullivan or Mr. Burkhardt they would pull me over and just be like look like you're honestly a really good kid you just need to knock off the BS that you're doing like you can do the work you can pass these classes you just need to like knock it off a little bit and that stuck with me because I looked up to them a lot and hearing that come from them that just hit me different than, say, if, like, a teacher that I wasn't so close with told me that. Because if a teacher told me that, I'm not dropping names, but, like, one of the science teachers or something, if they told me that, I would just be like, all right, like, whatever. I don't really care. Yeah. It's like someone someone that you feel is not. Someone who you look up to. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And I think that that all goes to show that, like, 
what you want to do in life is really is really fueled by you you want to be the type of person that helped you out when you were a kid yeah you know because Mm -hmm. i i think we all want to help people that's i feel like that's like the general drive of of trying not for everybody not for everybody definitely not for everybody but it seems to be a common theme when you ask people why they want to do what they want to do like a lot of the time the first answer is because i want to help people and there's a million different ways you can help people so you find the way you can help people with something you're passionate about there's a lot of people I can say I owe a lot of things to. Especially, I want to shout out my one football coach, Coach Mack, if you're listening. Without him, I don't honestly don't know where I would be. Like, he came in my going into my junior year in high school, football. And, like, I'm not the biggest, I'm not the fastest, I'm not the strongest. But I remember I told him that, and he looked at me and goes, I was never the fastest, I was never the strongest, I'm not the biggest, but if you have the heart to do it, you'll do it. And that helped me believe that I could actually, like, become a better player than what I was. And I can tell you, if it wasn't for him, I would not be playing. Like, I know it ain't Vincent. In late trip, it's a small college. I know without him, I would not be playing football without yeah. him right now. Yeah, it's all about it's all about believing in yourself. I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but you really you really can do anything that you set your mind to. It's it's it really is true, um, and a lot of kids just have a faulty mindset these days. Or they like face like a setback, and they've never faced a setback, and they have mm-hmm. nobody to like go to for advice like nobody who's like really nobody who comes out and says hey i i went through what you went through here's what you can do yeah because yeah it's more just like figure it out yourself yeah and a lot of these kids they let their setbacks define them that's the problem they don't see them as setbacks they see them as as permanent obstacles and i feel like a lot of people have done that I can say that I have done that, and I feel like you guys will know what I'm talking about. But I've definitely let something that's happened like really dictate my life for a long time. Yeah, uh, and that's something that's just that's something that teachers can really help students overcome. So I think that's a that's a great thing that you guys could do. But yeah, and it's also like saying the right thing to motivate the right kid. Like, I know you say, like, you, you talk, like, Sergio, you talk a lot of, like, stuff about me. Like, I remember one thing that you said, like, sticks to me now. It's, like, you only win um, medals when you're a coach. Like, you said that to me, and that just, like, like, it's, like, a fire in me now. Like, now, like, how I see it, like, St. Vincent, like, I joke about being a D3 athlete. Like, I wish I could go back and... Like, I have a lot of, like, what-ifs in my life. Like, what we if... We all do, though. Yeah. What, like, what if... It, like, what if I took soccer seriously at, like, a younger age? Like, I hated going to tryouts and trying new things. Like, what if I... You um, you never were that kid to probably, like, join one of those club teams, like, that's all around this area. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, what if I... Like, my sister who who did... Like, she played for Riverhounds. Like, she played at a high level at, like, such a young age. And she got to a certain point where she got 
like D1 offers. Like if I like if I had like if somebody told me, "Hey, go do this and you can you have the potential to be like you have the potential to be good and like reach your full potential." I never had that because it was so focused on like my sister and it was also a part of me who didn't like being in a new social situation where I have to meet new people and get out of my comfort zone. Like if I could push some some kid who has like raw talent. Like I like one of our friends told me when I was like a sophomore in high school, like you can you can play like whatever and like hold your own in that sport. So if I took like soccer seriously, like I feel like I'd be in a better place, but I don't like I don't regret not taking soccer seriously because if I took it seriously, I don't think I'd be where I'm at now. And I don't think I'd have the motivation to help um, younger kids reach their full potentials. Because I think that's my mission in life right now is to help like the youth like really reach their full potential and really have somebody who believes in them that they can actually like reach a certain goal. Because now, especially with social media, it's more like, oh, you're, you're trash. Like that's, yeah. that's all you are is you're trash. Like even even the kid who's like cocky, like that is like their way of finding their own confidence. Yeah. But it's just they get like all they get, like what they receive back from that is like, oh, you're cocky, um, you won't make it to whatever stage you want to make it to. Yeah, because so. I feel like I feel like they see they see successful people, they see the end goal so much, but they don't see where those people started. And it seems unrealistic because it, it, nobody like you have to realize that everybody started in that same place. Yeah. A but you, they also don't have the people because like from what I've experienced, I've had a lot of people go, yeah, I tried doing what you did and like I failed. Mm -hmm. But they never told me like, hey, this is how I failed. Maybe you should try this yeah. or maybe you should go this route. It was more just like. Hey, I failed. You probably don't have a chance at it because you're like five eleven, like whatever. If I had that, like one person say, "You failed at this. Try this," and like push harder. me, like push me forward. Like I never had that. Yeah. So why would I take take that my experiences that I've had and not? Um, pass it on to somebody yeah, else. Dude. Like it's, to it's, me, that's just a waste. It's it really is sad how much wasted potential there is in kids these days. And yeah, and it's not it's not only sports though too. It's like not, it's, no, definitely not. Like intellectual like wise, uh -huh. like a lot of kids see other kids like you, Drew. Like you, you are like very smart. Yeah, like I don't very know. Very smart. I don't know. I like I haven't seen like I haven't seen your years at Aquinas, but like with gifted like. The definition of gifted is like you're you excel um, more than what your other classmates or like even your age can do. So like gifted kids can do say they can do trigonometry when they're in like second grade. So like that's the definition of gifted I'm going off of. You're obviously gifted. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that as a kid, I fell under the gifted category. Um, I think I could say that. Um, I don't like to say that I don't think I'm anything special, but but I think there's a, a really a really big problem with how how schools deal with gifted kids. Um, 
Well, I did I did a project on gifted kids, and most of the schools that have gifted kids aren't funded enough to give the gifted kids what they need to excel. Like most schools have to send their gifted kids to like special schools, and that's where the gifted kids kind of like fall off because they're surrounded by other kids who like most gifted kids like they might struggle in like social situations or whatever. They don't have like the well-rounded um, education that everybody gets. Their their main focus is to excel at whatever they're gifted in. And that probably hurts them more than anything. And I think I think a big thing is um, with like gifted programs at schools what they what they'll try and do is just accelerate a class and call that gifted. That's not that's not helping these kids. Um, cause chances are if they, if they are gifted kids, they're going to rise up to that accelerated challenge. It's not going to be a challenge for them. No. Um, those things aren't going to challenge them, but you need to challenge them. The thing that makes kids grow and, and work hard to grow is being challenged by what they have to do. Would it, you say, would you say that you were challenged? I, I'm going to say no, uh, not until like, I, I think that's what really made me struggle in the last couple of years of high school um just because i was really never i i don't think i was challenged until like 11th grade 12th grade yeah. maybe 10th grade when you start getting but, into the college courses yeah um i just i feel like i i wasn't pushing myself to my potential because there was no need for it i didn't i didn't have to do my absolute best because my my average or whatever I was putting out by doing the bare minimum was enough and it's just we need we need to have a system where you can actually challenge gifted kids with with th- things other than just the the, yeah. s- the core subjects or the things that they're good at no no let me ask you something so like you weren't you weren't challenged like you said you weren't challenged at a young age but you are insanely smart and I don't know, like, this is from my perspective, but I think you fell under the category of because you're so smart, you need to have, you need to be a doctor and you need to make this amount of money, like a large amount of money um, from whatever job you, you're you going to have. So now do you, for like we talked about me and Sergio's life, lifetime goals or whatever, yeah. what are your goals? Like, do you fall underneath that? Like, hey, you need to become a doctor and make this amount of money because you're this smart. Or do, you, or do you fall under, this is what I want to do. Like, it's coming from the inside of me. This is what I think my purpose is on earth. No, I, I definitely, I don't think I was pushed into any specific goal I, because of me being smart. Um, I think that just, that, that inspired me to really think that I could do anything that I wanted to do. Um, I went through a few different phases uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life because I, as a kid, I was really into computers. I still am, uh, technology and all that. And that was really my first passion, I would say. But at the same time, I've been surrounded by doctors since I was a little kid. Um, so medicine was always in the picture as well. Um, and then what brought me to the place that I'm at now doing bioengineering in college is just like my fascination with how things worked. Um, since I was really young, like 
I would find anything in my house that I could just take apart and put back together. You know, like it started with pens in class when I was in like first grade. I, I don't know what grade, but just taking apart pens, looking at them, seeing how they work, putting them back together, making cool things out of them. Moved on to computers, TVs, like just whatever I could find that I could take apart. Like I, I would like, I would just, anytime my dad would get a new phone, I would beg him to let me take apart his old phone, just like mess around with it and put it back together. And that was always just my favorite thing to do. I just wanted to know how everything worked. I was just a really curious mind. So you followed the whatever you wanted to do. You were, yeah. I mean, like, I I don't think I was limited by anything. Um, I, I like, I I never thought that I couldn't do something I wanted to do just because I had this set of gifts. Um, but I it definitely drove me in the direction that I'm going in, um, because with gifts comes passion you're passionate about the things you're good at. And I wouldn't call that a limiting factor, but just a motivating factor. So I, I, I think I'm on the right path for me right now. I, I think it's the perfect culmination of things. Um, I do want to be a doctor in the end. I'm bioengineering, but I'm also on the pre-med track. But I couldn't justify just going into biology because, like I said, one of my main passions as a kid was just technology, taking things apart, how things worked. Um, and I feel like, I feel like throughout high school, I lost a lot of that curiosity that I had as a young mind. And I just, now I, I realize how precious that is. And I really just want to be able to foster that and learn everything that I want to learn. And that's another thing about being a doctor is that you are constantly learning every day. You're learning something new. You, you can never know everything there is to know. You're always doing research. You might find a new case that brings up something you've never seen before. You know, there's always something to learn. And that's what I love about it, along with obviously being able to help people in a really significant way. So if I were to set my perfect scene. Um, yeah, what like what is your like, because me and Sergio have that, like, I don't know about Sergio, but like my and like what I said, like a, uh, a kid who turned adult would come back to me and go. Hey, you really, you really helped me out. You treated me like, like a son. Like you're like, like you treated me like I was your kid. Yeah. Like that is what that would, that would make me like complete, make my mission complete. What would make yours? You know, um, I don't think my mission will ever be complete because like I said, my mission is just to stay curious, to, to keep learning all that I can learn because that's what I find the most joy in in life is just learning new things. But one one main goal that I, I would like to see myself achieve in the future is just, so my dad's an optometrist. Um, he owns a family practice. For all my for all my dumb people out there, it's a eye person. Helps you with your eyes. <laughs> eye doctor. He's an eye doctor. Eye doctor. Yeah. Yep. So um, he owns a practice, Dawood Eye Care. And Shout out Dawood Eye Care. North for sales <laughs> and Irwin, I believe. North for sales okay. and Irwin, yes free promo right there uh you're welcome dad but um i've seen a lot of there's a lot of optometry groups where um they expand an optometrist's office into a full-blown um facility because they have ophthalmologists as well they can do surgeries people on deck right now my dad has to refer people to another ophthalmologist but were i to become an ophthalmologist which my dad wants so badly for me um I could work with my dad in the future. We could we could expand his business um, and and work together and res- help people help people see. I mean, that's such such a cool thing to me. It, 
Like, That'd be dope. Sight, sight is such an important thing. People don't people don't realize how 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 much of a gift it is to just be able to see. You know, like imagine imagine being Take completely it for visually a impaired. Lot. Yeah, and and to be able to help people have the gift of eyesight um, or improve their eyesight or maintain it, whatever it may be, innovate. It, it's it's incredible. It's an incredible thing, and that's also why I want to why I want to have my bioengineering background. I, I would like to get uh, a master's in bioengineering as well, um, along with my medical degree. But having that background in bioengineering and being a practicing doctor, I feel like would just give me a really good perspective on what the medical field needs to improve our healthcare. Um, because there's bioengineers and there's doctors. The bioengineers have an outside perspective. They see healthcare from an outside perspective. They see how can we fix this. The doctors say, I mean, obviously they communicate. Doctors say what they need. But to have that from one perspective, I just feel would give me um, a unique a unique viewpoint and a unique way to find new innovation and, again, help people. So, I mean, like I said, it all ties back to helping people. It's really what we all want to do. Um, it's it's the basis of our society. It's how our society functions. Yeah, but even if you like, like if you're listening and you don't really have a passion for helping people, it doesn't mean that you're like on a, the wrong path. No, absolutely or even, not. Or even like how I have my end goal. Like you don't you don't have to have an end goal to like feel like you live your life. Mm-hmm. Like Drew, like you don't have like a set like a specific end goal. No. But you do have an idea of how you want to live your life, and do, that's the beauty behind it. Do what you're passionate about, exactly. and, and you will end up helping people. That's the thing. That's true. Whether you're trying to help people or not, if you're going out there and doing what you have a gift for, doing what you're passionate about, you're going to affect people in a positive way. You're going to affect our society in a positive way. In a positive way. And, and that's just what we need. We need, more, we need everybody to do what they're passionate about. If we have more goal-driven people, more people that are aware of their full potential and wanting to achieve that, then we will have a better society, undoubtedly. So it, it all ties back to teaching again, too, uh, and, and finding ways to help kids realize that potential. Yeah, because I think there's a lot of pressure on kids. Like, you need the highest-paying job mm-hmm. to, like, really live life. And I think that's, like, pretty false, honestly. Because I think anybody, any like, as long as you're happy with what you're doing, yeah, then nobody should be able to tell you different. And money, money doesn't buy happiness. No, no, it doesn't. And and you can be good. You can be good at a million things, but you're gonna be great at the thing you love. And and that's just what it comes down to. It's just, it's I I understand sometimes people don't know what they love. They don't know what they're passionate about, but. That's that's what school should be about, helping you figure out what you want to do. Yeah, but then again, it's, like, not what – like, from my experience, that's not how – like, like I said, boarding – like, the boarding school mm-hmm. really opened my eyes. So, like, the tuition – it's dropped since, since I went there, but the tuition um, – and I didn't pay this, but the tuition was – I think it was 56000 a mm-hmm. year. So, like, you're paying 56000 a year to, like – hopefully figure out what you want to do in life yeah so like a kid who's coming from a public school like they may not figure out what they want to do in life yeah and then they graduate high school 
Like, do they go to college and waste a bunch of money? Or do they go some, like, it doesn't, it's not a good system. Yeah, because when you're going through, when you're going through school every day, like, uh, when am I going to get out of here? When am I, when is this class over? When is lunch? When can I go home? Yeah. Um, when that's all you're getting out of school, you're not going to figure out what you're passionate about. You're not going to have a goal. You're not going to have some, some big dreams. And we need to be breeding big dreams. See, I think that's what my problem was in high school. Because, like I said before, I'm not a school person. Like, I do wish I took my studies so much more serious than what I did. But, like, do I regret it? Yes. But I'm not going to dwell on it. You know what I mean? No, but that just gives you a newfound understanding that you you don't want to live your life with any more regrets, you know? Yeah. Re- regret gives you a new perspective on regret and and Yeah, and, and you also you have to look at it like like if you did it, like if you cared in high school, you wouldn't be where you are today. Like you wouldn't have the mindset of, "Oh, I did this in high school." Like now I want to help kids who are like me try to get on the right path. Like you wouldn't be where you're at if you oh, like yeah, went for sure, for place. sure. It puts you in a special position. So you have to, you just have to look at the like most people like focus on the negatives. Yeah, just look at the positives, and your life will be so much better. Because now you have that special mindset that you need to connect with those kids that are gonna be like, like you that. are. Yeah. yeah, and then when kids come back to you later in life and go. Man, you really helped me out. Yeah. Like that's just gonna be like the best thing ever, and especially see, for somebody who cares about like young kids' lives. Yeah. yeah. And like Thomas said, you have to look at the positives of everything. I mean, it, you can look at the darkest situation, the darkest path you've been led down, um, the worst decision you might have made, and you can always take something good out of it. There don't no matter the situation, you can you can bring something good out of it if you just. Make sure you learn something from it. Yeah, but don't get me wrong. I've I've definitely focused on the negatives yeah. more than the positives. We all it's do. Not, yeah, it's not all going to be like rainbows and sunshine. Absolutely like, not. I'm not yeah. saying you can't you can't have negative experiences. I'm just saying try try to bring the positive out of that negative experience because there's always there's always a diamond in the rough. Hundred percent. There's always going to be something that will help you from your failures. Yeah. Exactly. I think I think we'll we'll leave you with that. Um, there's always a diamond in the rough of whatever situation you're going through, so just keep your heads up. You know, look at the bright side. Um, so this has been episode two of Reign of Thought. Thank you guys all for listening, and we will see you next time.